today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. A number of people have been following this and, and analyzing this. Among them, of course, is Walter Callahan. Walter is a PhD candidate in medical anthropology with the Faculty of Arts and Science at the University of Toronto. Uh, he's written a paper about this uh, that I think uh, is very poignant and very germane to the discussion that's going on. Walter joins us on the program. Walter, thanks for being with us here. Really appreciate the time today. Thanks for having me. Uh, missing the point, a critical reflection on Operation Honor and the reaction to military sexual misconduct. Let's talk a little bit about your perspective, what you've seen, and, 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 and what we need to do going forward here. And you mentioned that there's, I know we've talked about systemic problems and attitudinal problems like that. How rampant is it? Oh, it's, it's this issue is so prevalent within the, the military. And as I laid out in that paper that you referenced, there's only one small part of my larger project. Uh, the way that national defense has actually tried to even look at this to understand what's going on has been flawed almost from day one. Uh, with, with the reports that they did, they did several studies, and I believe they've got another study about to, about to happen, looking at how prevalent sexual misconduct is in the military. The findings that they got, they, they frequently tried to gloss it over. Instead of looking at the actual prevalence numbers of, of how often people had witnessed or experienced or been victimized by sexual misconduct, they instead turned around and tried to portray the thing that because the majority of soldiers knew about Operation Honor, therefore things were fine. Things were being corrected. Everything was good. Even while those same studies were showing that upwards of 90 to 95% of soldiers had ex witnessed or experienced some level of sexual misconduct in the previous 12 months. And there, there's a disconnect that's continued to happen within national defense on this. And if you actually turn around and start talking to the individual soldiers outside of a clinical setting, outside of a bureaucratic setting, outside of a survey setting, but one-on-one -on -one with, I have yet to find a female soldier or a LGBTQ soldier or veteran who did not experience some form of sexual misconduct during their time in the military. You mentioned that in the I just read the overview a couple of minutes ago. I'm getting into the study a little bit later on, but I got some of the key points here. Uh, you use the phrase willful blindness to the prevalence of, of the harms that are caused by uh, what's going on here, is, which which speaks to, I guess, the attitude that people have. In, in other words, is, is this kind of like, hey, nothing to see here, people move on? It, that's part of it. Uh, it it's also an, an unwillingness to acknowledge exactly how damaging prevalent these issues are uh what, what one part that fits into that is is a form of modern sexism which is extremely prevalent that has the idea because we've allowed women and gender diverse individuals into the military we don't have a problem anymore or the problem will solve itself instead of actually looking at okay what's the underlying values and beliefs within the military that can create an environment that propagates these issues regardless of how many women or lgbtq you let in is misogyny the foundation for a lot of this behavior misogyny is definitely part of it uh within the paper i, I provided a, a a taxonomy of sexism mm -hmm. which misogyny is definitely part of it that that, that fits into two of the uh, four types of sexism that i presented old-fashioned sexism, which is the, the 1950s view that women belonged in the home, in the kitchen, and nowhere else, uh, up to the hostile sexism that women are to blame for 
just by their presence, they're to blame for, for these things happening because men have this socio-biological messed up myth that, that seems to propagate things. Both of those do have elements of misogyny in them. But there's also more more nuanced forms of sexism, the modern sexism that I that I refer to, but also a benevolent sexism that that views in its more negative forms, views women as needing protection and that 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 can bleed into a sense of elitism amongst those who who have an idea of benevolent sexism that they can't do any wrong because they're the protectors of the more vulnerable sex so whether misogyny actually fits into that latter role the benevolent sexism that's a good question because on the face of it it wouldn't seem that it would but it very likely does still have a role to play there because of the elitist attitude as protect that is uh, taken on in that form. Uh, our time is limited, unfortunately, but I wanted to bring you on just to let our listeners know about the paper and, and, and your study and your work on this. i got about 30 seconds left. Let me ask you the obvious question. The Deschamps report talked about this. They even gave a, a, a blueprint for how to solve this. Uh, Louise Arbour, the, uh, the Minister of Court, the Justice, is actually reporting. Are you confident that this is going to be addressed in time, with, with maybe with uh, Justice Arbour's report, if not with the Deschamps? I'm hopeful. Unfortunately, with the Deschamps report, uh, a lot of our recommendations really were ignored. Yeah. Uh, with the Arbor review that, that's now started, and uh, Justice Arbor and her team are very well aware of the work I've done. I've had a, I've had a, a preliminary conversation with them, uh, much as with uh, General Carrigan's uh, new uh, working group on professional conduct. They're, they're aware of this. They're aware of where I pointed out mistakes that were made in the past, the way that these things were, were ignored. So I'm hopeful that they will incorporate some of these ideas going forward because the, the, the big problem with Operation Honor as it existed was that they really didn't have a sense of what they needed to look at. And unless you know what you need to look at, how can you possibly ever change it? Well, with, with Arbor and with Kerrigan, their, their teams are both aware of these issues, thankfully. Uh, I don't know if it was just from my article or from work of several colleagues who have also been very vocal on these issues and uh, support groups like It's Not 700 who have also been very vocal. These issues are coming forward. It's becoming a lot more impossible to ignore them or brush them off, especially with the behaviors that you see by people like General Fortana who tried to dismiss it, who, who embody that sense of elitism that I think as reside at some of the core of why these issues continue. Uh, work the, the, such as you're doing, Walter, is going to be part of the solution to this. We know that to be a fact. And thank you so much for the time. I'm sure we'll talk about this down the road as, uh, as this unfolds. Thanks again for today, though. Thanks for having me. <laughs> hard, hard to be to handle such a complex issue in such a short amount of time. But. I know. Well, we'll try to allow <laughs> a little more time next time as we get a little more uh, in detail on this. Walter Callahan, a PhD student uh, at University of Toronto, writing about uh, the sexism and the problems that's going on in the Canadian military. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.